This is the MyMac Podcasting Network. Come on, David, it's time. No, no, just one more spin. Dave, come on, it's, it's time to podcast. You, you don't understand, I just got three triple diamonds. It's time for the bonus game. Oh, it's Tech Game 45. It's tech fan number 45, the lazy guy edition. Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling extremely lazy. And David is still in Las Vegas, and he just woke up. Yeah, I just got out of bed. <laughs> we don't want to know what you're wearing. I, 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 I did briefly toy with the idea of plugging the iPad and actually doing the podcast from bed. Oh, I decided, I decided uh, in the interest of uh, kind of my, uh, my attention span, I really need to be set up at the desk. <laughs> Um, otherwise, otherwise, at one point you'd be asking a question, and I'd be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would probably not be good. Might be a first for podcasting, though. Someone falls asleep while recording a show. <laughs> that would be kind of neat. So there's not a whole lot going on tech-wise this week, David. I mean, <sighs> yeah, there's been some news about a new Google tablet being released. I mean, you see. An announcement for a new Google tablet, what, every two weeks? Yeah. Some companies come out with a new Google tablet. I mean, after a while, you can't even pay attention to it, can you? No, not really. Um, They're all the same. I've seen here at at the show I've been in here in Las Vegas for, I've seen a few of the Honeycomb tablets. And you know what? They're pretty good. Um, They're no iPads, but um, they're a lot better than the previous ones, put it that way. Uh, the interface is responsive. There's plenty of software on there. Um, not so mad on the form factor most of the people are using, which is kind of a widescreen form factor. To me, that doesn't really work on a tablet because as soon as you turn the thing on its side, um, it's like holding a, a restaurant menu. Yeah, just you know, is, isn't what you want. No, but um, you know, they they're um, they're a lot better than they have been, and they you know they continue to improve. But the thing is. They are all the same. Same. I saw three or four models here, um, and they're all the same. Yeah. How do you stand out in that crowd? Well, exactly. It's, it's going to be. It's not going to be features. So it's going to be price. You know what gets um, me is everyone wants to compare Android to the iPad. Where with the iPad, you're talking about one device. Yeah. There's different configurations and Wi-Fi or um, 3G and you know those things. But basically, it's the same thing. It's a little bit yeah. larger storage space, a little bit less. You get three G, yeah. you don't get three. It's the same. It's the iPad. E- even the even the difference between the one and the two is fairly small. Very absolutely. A camera, a little bit faster processor, blah blah blah. Yeah. And I didn't buy a two. I'm still on the first iPad, and I have no desire to jump to the iPad two. Now, look, me, if, if mine too, breaks, yeah. if, if it breaks, I'll get one. Yeah. But I'm like, eh, I can wait until maybe yeah. if the third one's significantly different. Mm-hmm. That being said. You read on websites and, and news reports, so they compare Android, which is how many different manufacturers, against the iPad. Yeah. Let's start breaking out these Android devices and see how good the Samsung is really doing. Or the Acros, Acros. How do you say that? I'm not even sure. Arcos? Uh, Arcos, yeah. Arcos. Yeah. I, if you break them out that way, I think you would see, if you segment that market the way it should be, 
And they used to do the same thing against Mac versus PC. It would be Apple against the entire PC industry. <laughs> it's like, really? They, they're competing against all these other companies, but all these other companies get lumped together against yeah. the Mac. It's, it never seemed fair to me. No, no, it's kind of like saying Ferrari against the whole thrust. Of GM. Of yeah. yeah. It's like, mm, it's not really... Uh, yeah, how, how, how good does the BMW sell against all American cars? Oh, well, geez, that's kind of a large market. It's So, yeah, that kind of bothers me. I would like to see them start to break that out a little bit more. Um, but even if they did, my interest in Android is not very high. With that being said, uh, a coworker, we actually got a feedback. We'll talk about that in a minute, uh, sent me a link about a project by a group of hackers, I guess you would say, um, or jailbreakers, if you're familiar with that term. Yeah. That's going to try and put the Android operating system on the HP touchpad. So all mm. those people who spent 99 bucks for an HP touchpad with a product that's essentially dead, I doubt if you're going to see very many updates coming from HP on the software, and I know for a fact most developers are not going to release software for it at this point. But, well, no. I mean, it's a very small market if people aren't making new devices for it. But it's a capable piece of hardware that's more than adequate to run Android. Yeah. So I'm kind of interested in that, honestly. Yeah, that's, it's an interesting approach. Um, I mean, obviously, yes, as, as you say, it gives you a route to get maintained software for it in the future. Because I, I know that there's some ambiguity about whether HP how HP are going to deal with WebOS going forward. They you know, they still maintain that they haven't killed WebOS, they've just killed the touchpad itself. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, you know, how much de- development effort, whatever they do with WebOS, they're going to put to making sure that it's backward compatible with touchpad and release that through the touchpad ecosystem to patch, patch the machine up. That, that's a big question mark. I can't imagine. Well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have thought so. They've already really taken path on the thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, when you drop the price to a hundred bucks, I mean, holy crap! Well, the bizarre thing is that there's reports this week they're going to pay some more of them. Well, that's that probably price. because they're under a contract to buy a certain amount of uh, of the components, and you know they probably promised uh, the manufacturer of the device that they're going to make a million. And so yeah. they probably have that contract, and they're like, you know what, let's just go ahead and do it instead of going to war with this other company, and we'll fulfill His- our obligation, and we'll make a million of them. We'll still sell them at a loss, but it's still better than burying them in a landfill. I, uh, I'd agree with all of that except for that last, that last point. I don't think they will sell them at ninety nine dollars. Um, I, I've seen how HP in the UK behaved, um, with the pre three which basically, obviously, people were kind of queuing up to buy because um, they were looking for the sale prices that the touchpad had been out at. Um, and I was one of those people. I'd ordered a couple of them from a retailer. Um, and effectively, HP, first of all, after saying they would honor the, the discount prices, then turned around and said, you know what, we're not going to sell them through the channel at all. Um, we're going to just push them out through... Uh, through the um, the carriers as normal phones at full price. Wow! I sus- I suspect you know they HP have c- convinced themselves that because there's been such demand at these low prices that 
there is a demand for these devices and I think the next run of touchpads will be three hundred, four hundred dollars. They're in for a rude awakening if that's the case. I, I think so. I think they're gonna be stuck with them again. <laughs> um because you know one ninety nine, if they would have came out with this at one ninety nine and that that's probably pretty close to the break even point. Yeah. I think they would have saw some 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 success. Maybe even at two fifty. But when you price it exactly the same price as the iPad, I, in fact, I saw a Honeycomb Android device coming out. Um, I can't remember who it was now, but it's like a hundred bucks more than the iPad. I, I thought, yeah. how the hell are you ever going to sell that? How are you going to convince anybody to get an inferior product for more money? Uh, yeah, it's that's it's. it's I'm e- dumbfounded. Even if even if you um, even if you convince yourself that. Uh, functionally, the Android OS or uh, Web OS is as good as an iPad is. You're still not buying an ecosystem when you buy those devices. You're still not buying the App Store, the iTunes well, Store. Well, that's that's a that's a positive to some people, David. Well, yeah, th- that's going to be a positive until they want to put some media on the thing. Yeah, <laughs> you know, that's. The, I I was talking to my I, I, my brother and my father have been here with me in in Vegas this week. And when they heard I was coming out here for a conference, they said, "Well, you know, we'll 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 come out and um, you can spend some time with us in the in the evenings, and we get an opportunity, an excuse to go to Vegas and and have some fun." And I've been talking to my to my brother about it because he's got an Android tablet. Um, and we had a conversation about his workflow to get media on the device, and it's insane. It's absolutely insane. I he was to, trying to figure out how to put some media on my touchpad, and I still haven't figured it out. Yeah, on on his one, he has to basically take whatever media it is, he has to reconvert it um, into a format that his device will read, uh, and then he has to manually load it to the device. He has to be careful about where he puts it on the Android tablet, and then he can watch it. And the, the application he uses to actually watch it is pretty funky in terms of how it presents the media on the device. It's very, very functional um, and not, not particularly aesthetically pleasing. And, you know, all of that is just like, you know, it's just like, hey, the night is cold. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and they want their work process back. Yeah, because absolutely. Because we, we just don't want to do it like that anymore. We want to, you know, go online, click something, it downloads straight away, and then you're watching it. It's a little nutty. No well, question. I, I think it's it's of limited appeal ultimately because it's a techie product for people who, you know, like computers. And it's you know, it's I, I think that market is limited. This is something I think Apple realized quite a while back is that you can sell to enthusiasts and that'll give you five percent market share, or you can sell to the entire world yes. <laughs> and that will give eighty percent market share. <laughs> yep. You know. Here's a question for you. Uh, good friend of the show, Harry McCracken, he's been on a couple times at the Technologizer, yeah. has a uh, post at time.com where he makes the argument that we're not living in a post-PC world necessarily, that the post that the PC itself is doing great. He just doesn't consider... He, he basically says it doesn't have to come in a desktop or a clamshell notebook to be considered a PC. That all these devices that we're using now are PCs. It's just, it's an evolution of the PC. It's not a replacement for it. I'm kind of curious what you think of that. I, I have some sympathy with that view. I, I, you know, I'm not one of these people who sees a tablet as a um, consumption device. I know that get that 
kind of phrase gets banded around a lot. You know, oh, the iPad is just for consumption. You can't do any work on it. I did plenty of work on mine. Um, yes, it's more limited than um, using a full PC, but um, in terms of actually what you're doing, in terms of generating content, you might need to do to process it on a PC later on, but um, in terms of getting stuff down and getting things done, I can do an awful lot on my iPad. Yeah, and and I've been in a you know I've been in this, this conference all week, and um, I actually tweeted about this. Probably seventy five percent of the people I saw using computers um, between sessions at this thing were using iPads, or or a smaller number of them were using um, non Apple tablet devices, but pretty much you know a, a huge proportion of the people were using iPads. And though these these are all business guys, uh, guys and girls. To be uh, to be fair, there's plenty of girls here. Um, they've all got productivity stuff to do between sessions. They've all got a job that that needs looking after while they're at um, you know at, at a trade show, and they're getting it done on on a tablet. So I I would I would sympathise with Harry's view that um, post PC doesn't mean the PC is dead, um, but in fact the PC is different. I totally agree. Damn, we can't argue about that. Hmm. <laughs> Sorry about that. I, I, I mean, obviously, the these devices will evolve over time, and, and and I think the real debate is: will the traditional PC become less and less relevant uh, as these devices go forward, and we'll end up in a kind of a Star Trek universe where you either talk to the computer or you um, you use a tablet? But you know, stuff with dedicated physical hardware will seem quaint you know physical hardware like a keyboard and a mouse i mean the macbook air is is kind of you know it it is kind a of bridge. The it's a bridge device. Isn't it? yeah. yeah i agree you know and and of course what's happened the huge success of the air now has the industry scram uh, scrambling to try and replicate it in fact i've been looking at some of the new pc releases or pre-announcements i guess and a whole lot of them are starting to take the form factor of the macbook air now remember we talked about Apple had a, a chat, if you will, with Intel, where they're basically telling Intel, you need to, to start making chips for these thin type of laptops. That's going to be the direction we're going to go in, and if you're not there, we're going to use our own processors. And, mm-hmm. they, and Intel basically said it was an eye-opening experience and conversation for them. And now, uh, just a few months later, we're starting to see the fruits of that conversation. Many, many, many more PC manufacturers are coming out with machines that are really close to being as thin as the MacBook Air, and there's a couple of them that is as or more thin. Yeah. Uh, there's a Sony <clears throat> Vio that's even thinner. And I personally think that's a good idea. Unfortunately, for most of the PC manufacturers, it's still making them out of plastic. Um, but, you know, yeah. eh, that thin and it's just a little piece of plastic, that's as, worrisome to me. Yeah, they... You know the the MacBook Air is fairly tough. Oh, it is. Uh, if you if you have it in a bag and you overstuff the bag and the laptop compartment kind of, kind of gets stretched, I can see uh, a real issue if you have plastic computer. In there. I I come yeah. It's, I see it as a yeah. problem. You see, Sam, yes. Samsung came out with a, a new thing that's the Galaxy Note, and a couple of witty online writers pointed out a little quote that Steve Jobs said at the original mm-hmm. iPhone launch that if you see a stylus, they blew it. And here comes the Galaxy Note, uh, which looks kind of like a giant iPhone, except it's it's not a phone. 
and it's more of a PDA than anything. Um, yeah. And it and it has a five point three inch super o or a m o l e d screen, twelve eighty by eight hundred resolution. It looks nice. One point four gigahertz processor, eight megabyte camera, blah blah blah. But it has a stylus. And they have this very Apple-esque video of it in action. And they show the little stylus pin sliding out of it. And people are using it to write on the screen. And I was like, really? A stylus? That makes no sense to me. Have you used a stylus on the iPad? Yes, I have. Yeah? I don't like it. Well, yeah. I mean, there are some tasks... If you're if you're drawing on it, uh, the stylus is nice to have. Uh, to me, I, I don't know about the um, I don't know about the the can you without a stylus. But um, the thing for me that's nice about the uh, about the iPad stylus is is that it obviously the technology you use in the screen is is not as precise as. Um, you know, a, a typical stylus Windows PC. Those those stylus things on the Windows PC use a, an RF um, chip in the in the pen, and they are it's you know it's literally pixel perfect. Whereas the iPad, it's you know it's kind of finger sized the point the point area. So when you're using a stylus to draw and that sort of thing, you have to on the iPad you kind of have to bear that in mind. But to me, that's a good compromise because the ninety percent of the time you're going to be using your finger, even if you are an artist or, or a note taker or what somebody wants to sketch on it um, you can use the stylus for that 10% of the time for those tasks but most of the time you're using the thing that's attached to your hand which is what you always have with you to go to the other extreme which is saying well I need to use um, a, a physical device that's pixel perfect most of the time it's, it's just the wrong balance for me um, and I, I don't see it being successful I mean the, yeah, I don't know what the Galaxy Note runs. Is it Android or is it Windows? Yeah. No, it's Android. Well, so what's the point? Android's not designed to be used with the stylus, so why would you have to use it with the stylus? I, you know, I don't get it myself. It, it looks kind of cumbersome in a hand. I mean, it's a big device. I don't. I, I don't yeah, know. I guess what these manufacturers are doing is <laughs> they're, they're scrambling really under- to find a spot. That's what they're doing, yeah, David. That's right. So they're throwing a whole load of mud at the wall and seeing what sticks. Well, the the seven inch tablets obviously didn't work. Nobody was buying them, so yeah. they went with the same size as the iPad. But the problem there, of course, is obvious. You're competing directly with the iPad. How do you distinguish your product? So I think they're they're all scrambling, trying to find something that works. And so far, eh. I guess in Samsung's case, if they've got a stylus, they can at least in their, you know, they're being sued by Apple saying that they ripped off the iPad. They can at least turn around and say, "Well, this one's not like an iPad. Look, it's got a stylus. This is like the tablets from ten years ago. <laughs> <laughs> we're, that's what we're ripping off this time, not not Apple." <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're going after that palm market there. That's what we want. We want, yeah. I don't know. So let's take a quick break, David, and when we come back, we're going to talk about a little bit of feedback that we got, and then we're going to move right into some apps that uh, you and I have been using on our iPhones and our iPads. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Travis Bryce from the geekiest show ever, and yep, you guessed it, GSE is back. Maybe not better than ever, but it's listenable. We talk about great things such as old video games, 
We'll talk about our podcasting setup. And uh, we'll talk about why nickels are the greatest invention ever. So uh, give us a listen. Geekiest show ever, only on the My Mac Podcasting Network. You stay golden, pony boy. And we're back. And uh, David, we got some feedback after the uh, last show about our video games. Now, this feedback is coming from somebody like me works at Mac Specialist. And this is a name that you're going to start hearing a lot more of real soon because um, he's going to start to make a presence, a name for himself online. He's going to have initially a blog at the Mac Specialist website once the new version goes live. And he's an incredibly smart guy. I love having conversations with him. And I don't say that just because I work with him. I really mean that. He, he's he's one of these guys that he's got a history in this industry the same as I do, the same as you do. Um, mm. And I, honestly, I think he'd be really good on podcasts. And so one of these days, I'm going to convince him to come on Tech Fan and uh, do a show because I think he'd be great at it. But yeah, he sent a feedback, and, and it was directed at you. So I'm going to go ahead and let you read that. Yeah, so this is uh, this is Frank, um, who's one of your, as you say, from Mac Specialist. He says, I want to quibble a little with Mr. Cohen. I, I, I like your level of respect, Frank. I appreciate that very much. Thank you. <laughs> I do not agree with the gameplay of the... the I do not agree that the gameplay of these games is unsophisticated. This is I was talking last week about the um, the older games, uh, the eighties arcade games yes. that, that my son has just just rediscovered. I agree that the graphics and the interface might seem unsophisticated by today's standards, but the actual gameplay, the challenge of these games, is what keeps people coming back to play even thirty years later. The puzzles and challenges of these old games are sophisticated. That's why they are still fun, Frank. Um, yeah, I, I kind of I see what I see what you're getting at, Frank. There, I, I'm maybe maybe my my term was a bit simplistic, and I kind of defended you too, Frank, in person. I said I don't yeah. think he was talking about the gameplay itself. I think he was talking about the the graphics, the the music, if you will, the everything else that goes around with it, just not the gameplay itself. Yeah, and and also as well, I mean, uh, we were specifically talking about the arcade games, which in some ways is a little simplistic because they are designed to be a 25-cent, you know, short hit of gameplay. So yeah. if you look at a game uh, like, I don't know, let's take Frogger, for example, which is one of the ones my son's been playing. The gameplay in terms of, there's not a lot of depth to the gameplay. There's not a lot of different challenges. There's one challenge, and it gets harder and harder and harder. And that's because it's an arcade game. Um, if you played Frogger for an hour, you wouldn't find um, new stuff to do in the game. It would just get more and more difficult. So that's kind of what I meant about the gameplay challenge. That doesn't mean that it's not compelling. Um, and it doesn't mean that it's not fun, but the the point is is that nowadays um, the arc put the arcades to one side because the arcades aren't anywhere near as popular as they used to be. But um, if you were to play that play a, a game with that sort of challenge, say on the iPad iPad or on the iPhone now, the developer would typically put new things into the game as you got into it, rather than just giving you the initial challenge and just making it harder and harder. And that's kind of what I meant. Um, you know, game playing in itself has become more sophisticated in that you find games throw different things at you as you progress through them nowadays in the main. That doesn't mean that, that one way or the other is better. Um, in some ways, the simplicity of the gameplay of an eight arcade game is is kind of like distilled down. And to me, it, you know, when they get it right, is 
it may only be one challenge, but that challenge is pretty fun and it's pretty compelling. Um, but that's that's really what I meant, and I and I didn't mean it in a disrespectful way by any stretch of the imagination, because I definitely much appreciate uh, you know how much fun these games are. Funnily enough, I was down in um, I was down in Fremont Street um, in Las Vegas last night, which is the old Las Vegas before the strip was developed. You know, when you see those 70s TV sure. shows and they used to drive through the middle of Las Vegas with all the neon signs. That's what Fremont Street is. What they've done now with, with that, because it was it was getting kind of tired, is they've covered the whole thing over with a kind of a, a like a 500-yard um, LED roof huh. to the entire street. So the whole street is covered over by this roof, and every hour they put a uh, kind of a, a, a music and, and video show on the roof. It's, it's amazing. It's really something to see. And it, it's really what's bringing people back to this very old and, to be fair, somewhat seedy part of Las Vegas. And um, they've got a theme through the summer there at the moment of the 80s and, and older times. So every hour they, they were doing a show with they started with some 60s music you know some classic 60s tunes and all psychedelic images on and then i saw the 70s one as well where they they had a a, a set by the doors again with kind of imagery that matched the songs but then they said um, looking forward to the 80s great video games of the 80s and they projected this display showing all these different games running uh, over and over again really fast you know accompanied to music with all the sound effects and everything and I watched around me as all these people were looking up and, and they were all shouting out the names of the games as they recognised them <laughs> and you know it was Centipede it was Dig Dug it was um, Pole Position it was Asteroids it was all these these kind of games and then it morphed into um, the NES era so there was all the Mario games and all of that and and I think, you know, if you look at those, which came from the same period, Super Mario today on a Wii is the same game that Super Mario was on the NES Absolutely. in 1985. Yep. You know, and I, and I don't exa- want to say that that's bad either. No, well, look, exactly. I mean, that that shows... And maybe, maybe I think that's what Frank was getting at, is that, you know, just because it came from the 80s doesn't mean the gameplay was shallow, because there's a game that's lasted 30 years pretty much unchanged, apart from the window dressing. Yep. Um and it's still as much fun as it ever was. But obviously, the 80s arcade games were designed to be Twitch games. They were designed for short bursts. And, you know, you, I, I, you'll, uh, if you talk to Owen about this, um, our o- colleague... Owen Rubin. Yep. Owen Rubin, who, who used to work at Atari. I mean, he'll he, tell he you... He was the uh, game designer for Major Havoc. Yeah, which, um, which I'll be talking about in a, in a bit in relation to, uh, to games on the iPad. Um, he, uh, he will tell you that a lot of those games would kind of the, the scoring system would break down or there would be bugs and something if you played them for a long time because they weren't designed to be run for that long. You know, the Battlezone had had some famous bugs in it and he, and he worked right next door to the guy who developed Battlezone. So, um, you know, if, if a lot of them, Pac-Man, if you, if you, if you went too far, the, the score rolled over and you had to start again. <laughs> yeah, well, and again, those games, a lot of them were designed for... I, I think I remember reading uh, years and years ago a study, the average length of time a person would play a, an arcade game that cost a quarter or even 50 cents was somewhere between 45 seconds and a minute and a half. Yeah. Which, when you think about it, isn't very long. No. <laughs> it's, that, that's quite expensive entertainment when you kind of break it out. If you're going to stand there for an hour, <laughs> that's going to cost you a lot of money. Well, I think that was the thing. That's why, you know, the guys who are really good, if you ever... 
particularly some of the harder games, if you ever watched um, somebody who was really good play Defender, yeah, it was kind of like watching an artist at work. Oh, absolutely, no question. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, is you had to invest a lot of money to get good at those games because you had to play them again and again and again to improve, and that meant feeding it with course. Unless you owned an arcade and you could flip the uh, free play switch, yeah, well, um, I always wanted you, that. Yeah, you were you were putting you were putting quite a lot of money in. I still want that actually. <laughs> so let's take our last break, uh, a short one this time, David, and we're going to come back and talk about what we're doing on our iPad, some of the apps that we're using. I have to be honest; most of mine are going to be games, David, because I'm either reading on my iPad or I'm playing a game. So we'll find out what you've been doing as well. We'll be right back. Hey, Gaz, do you like apples? Yes, I love Cox's because they're hard and juicy. Huh? Do you mean what I think you mean? Yeah, Cox's Pippin' Apples. They come from Somerset Guy. Everyone knows that. But we're talking about the MyMac.com podcast. It's been around since 2004. Oh, I see. That type of apple. Exactly. You can find it in iTunes. Talk to us from Twitter or Facebook. Or call us on our Skype number, which is... 703-436-9501. There. Said it before you could. And we're back for the final segment of Tech Fan this week, episode number 45. Before we get into all that, let's uh, throw out how we con- how you can contact us. Easiest way is an email. Send it to feedback at mymac.com. And uh, that comes directly to me. And I'll forward it over to David. And uh, we'll we'll talk about your feedback right here on the show. You can also leave a message, which I don't know if anyone's done yet. To be honest, I think someone did it a long time ago, but it's been a while, David. And uh, yeah. it'd be nice if someone could actually leave some feedback, some audio feedback, uh, on our Skype number, and then we could play it right here on the show. Um, the Skype number actually costs me money. Well, let's be honest, the whole thing costs me money. I mean, <laughs> the, the amount of bandwidth that we use for, for podcasting the entire network comes out of my pocket. And well, it's, well, not, it's not free. No, it's not free, believe it or not. And, uh, you know, so it'd be nice if we, if I can see some value <laughs> out of paying for the Skype number, which I've had for a number of years now. And the phone number is 1-801-938-5559. Uh, of course, if you have an iPhone, you've got that voice memo app. You can always record yourself on your iPhone and then send that audio file right through the uh, app itself to feedback at mymac.com that's probably the best fidelity audio wise that you could send us yeah short of sitting in front of a real nice microphone on a computer and recording it that way but no and of course if, that. yeah if you have an android phone you can record yourself then you can plug it into your computer and you can tell that into your android device <laughs> and you can ftp it from your android device to your computer and then you can post process it and email it to us that way which is also pretty simple of course of course, course if they have an android phone they can just dial the number as well <laughs> Yeah, like, what? so on Android, <laughs> you might as well ring us because yes, it's how we're Absolutely. We're showing our uh, our uh, preferences now. <laughs> I've never made, uh, <laughs> you know, any bones about what I prefer when it comes to my, my computers or my portable devices. I think Apple's done a great job. I sell yeah. them professionally, yes. But let's be honest, David, even before I sold them, I owned MyMac.com. I've owned it since 1995, so 
I mean, okay, yeah, your your um, preferences are pretty much written there on the tin. Yeah, it's <laughs> there's not a whole lot of uh, ambiguity there at all. Um, so, and I'm on Twitter. You can find me, Tim, at Twitter. It's just at my Mac, and that's the same for Facebook. It's Facebook.com/slash my Mac. The my Mac podcast. Which is mostly used for guy and gaz, but I do post some tech fan stuff up there occasionally. Is facebook.com slash mymacpodcast. And you're on Twitter, David. I am. I'm at David B. Cohen. One of these um, days we're going to have a Twitter show, you know? We'll just, the entire, well, at least one segment, we'll, we'll pull up our Twitter feeds and we'll just talk about the stuff we're finding on Twitter right then. Very good. I'd like to do that. Hopefully of- no celebrity had, had have died or something, or there's no big game going on, because yeah. that's what it'll be about. But. I, I find lots of um, pretty young ladies offering me to sell, uh, yeah. sell, oh, sell, things that, sell things that I talk about to me. I'm, I'm, I'm not even touching that one, man. <laughs> we should do yeah. getting a twist. I think a Twitter spam show would be. Uh, I think a Twitter spam show would be very interesting. <laughs> oh, the only Twitter spam I seem to get is the ones that want me to get a free iPad two by taking yeah. the survey, and then. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, we both have an iPad. Uh, like I said in the last segment, the most of the things that I've been doing lately is reading. I got a new Star Wars book, and I'm plowing through it. It's getting better as time goes on. There's another book that I want to read on here, but, I, you know, I don't know about you, David. When I have a book that I paid for, I feel like I need to read that one before I read the next book that I'm really looking forward to, you know? Yeah. It's like, ah, I really want to get to this book, but um, it's called Ready Player One, and mm-hmm. and we'll talk about Frank again. He recommended this to me, and the funny thing was... I had just loaded it up on my iPad, so I knew exactly what he's talking about. I hadn't got a chance to read it yet, though. So, hmm, there you go. Anyways, it's, it, it's a book that everyone says uh, is a must-read. So after I read it, David, oh, I'll let you know how good it is, yeah. and maybe something you want to check out. Yeah. But anyways, uh, most of the time, if I'm not reading, browsing the internet, or looking at my HBO Go or Netflix app, I'm playing a game on my iPad. And uh, I have to say, probably my favorite game right now, and we're going to talk about a little bit, our second segment, classic games. This is a game called Forget Me Not. And it's kind of a mashup between old video games. And I've just launched it on my iPad here, David, and you're going to be able to hear this. Uh, Maybe, is it my audio turned up? Yes, it is. Come on. What are you doing? Let's go. Okay. I'm going to click... Begin quest, and you'll hear the sound, and it sounds like an old video game. Yeah, it does. You know, it, it it's so hard to describe what it is. It's kind of a mashup between Pac-Man and Adventure, and I'm going to turn it off now because it's going to get annoying. <laughs> it's so hard to... You, you're a little character, and you're eating the dots, kind of, like Pac-Man, but there's a key, and each map is kind of a maze. So there's a key on each map, and you have to get the key, eat all the dots, even though they're not dots, they're kind of X's, and then once all the dots have been eaten, a doorway opens, and you need the key that's on the map to unlock the doorway. So if you've got the key, you're, you're great. Your guy also shoots, 
and you shoot the little ghosty things. But the problem is your bullets don't stop unless they hit something. So if you are going through a door that opens to the other side of the map, you can literally shoot yourself in the butt. <laughs> but if you have a key, the bullets will hit the key and you're okay. It's really difficult to describe how fabulous this game is. It works on the iPad as well as the iPhone. It's a universal build, which totally love. I wish more companies would do that. It's swipe action to move around. I tried to use that little joystick thing that you suction cup on. didn't work. Um, right. But it's, a, it's just a great game. It's one of those that you play and you're just like, oh my god, where where did this come from? This is fantastic. I could totally see it in the 80s this this totally would have made sense as an arcade game and it would have been a huge hit this this kind of goes back to what i was saying in response to to um frank's comment this is kind of what they've done here is uh i've I've not played this myself but i did read a review in um tap magazine last last month and they raved about it they said it was five stars they said it was absolutely fabulous um but this is kind of thing. This takes Pac-Man and gives it a modern twist, gives it some progression. Um, the mazes are generated randomly, so you're always getting a, you're always getting a, um, you know, a different maze. You never know quite what you're going to get. And then, um, you know, you've got enhanced type of gameplay rather than just going around eating things. Um, it's it's uh, you know it, it's a great game. I, I must pick it up. Yeah, it, it, I can't rave about. I think it's a buck ninety nine, worth every penny. Now, Universal as well, so you can play it on your iPhone. That's right. And the neat thing is the uh, when you shoot like the bad guys, they leave like the cherries from Pac-Man or <laughs> the mushrooms from Centipede. And those are bonus points. And it's just it's fantastic. It really, really is. Um, so if you're anybody out there is just looking for a classic type of arcade that you could literally pick up and spend five minutes or an hour that's the game and, and this is a, a testament i love um the show i think it's probably the best show on television right now um and I, why am i drawing a blank on the name uh uh, uh, uh breaking bad but yeah i think it's probably the best show on television right now when i downloaded this game i was getting ready to watch that show and i played one level of this game and thought oh, that's pretty cool and i set it down and i started watching this tv show I paused the TV show within 10 minutes and went back to the game because I had to play it some more. Yeah. And then I looked up, and an hour had gone by, and it was too close to bedtime, so I didn't get to watch the show that I really, really wanted to watch because I had been playing this game. That should tell you something. Yeah. I mean, it's just fantastic. Okay, David, your turn. And then, by the way, that was called Forget Me Not. We'll, we'll be able to put some links in the show notes. Yeah, here's the thing, though, David. To, for me to do that, I need to write the notes right now because I'll forget. So <laughs> you, you get to hear this. <laughs> otherwise, otherwise, you can listen back to the show later and do it again. Do it then. That's right. Yeah. Okay. So um, I'm going to suggest um, a game as well. And this is something that brought back... A, we're doing a lot of nostalgia at the moment. This brought back a lot of nostalgia for me. This is a game for the iPad called Defender of the Crown. And uh, Defender of the Crown, for anybody who... Uh, my my first kind of real computer was a, a Commodore Amiga. Mm-hmm. And Defender of the Crown was one of the big titles on the Commodore Amiga. It was done by a company called Cinemaware. And they clue of what the, their approach was in was in their title they did these 
because the Amiga was so good at, at displaying graphics, they did these very graphically intensive games with real kind of fairly rich stories. And Defender of the Crown has you as a medieval um, lord trying to conquer Britain in the Middle Ages. Yeah, that and... shouldn't appeal to you at all. <laughs> <laughs> they talk about a crown, it's in Britain. Yeah, nope, not up yeah. your, not up your <laughs> no, tree at right. all there. <laughs> I suppose, yeah, I've got some biases there. Um, and it, this is this is one of those games where it's more about the way it's done rather than the actual uh, game itself. Because, you know, it, this was kind of a precursor of some of the CD-ROM games that came out later on in the 80s and early 90s. Um, it was uh, very graphical. Uh, the, the actual tasks themselves were kind of like sub-games. So what you would do is you would play this kind of this game of Risk. So you would... There was all the... Britain, UK was was broken up into well, England was broken up into territories, and for each turn you would click on a territory and try and conquer it. And to conquer it, you would either attack somebody's castle, and you'd be throwing um, in, in kind of in 3D graphics, you'd actually be firing catapults at their walls to try and break in. And then you'd go in and you'd actually have sword fights with the, the with the soldiers of the castle to try and conquer it. And then once you conquered the territory, that gave you more taxes, which meant you could buy more armies and more catapults and try and try and take over occasions as well it, it was a lot of fun occasions as well you would hold tournaments where you would have to joust other knights and again you do that in 3d you would actually have to control the lance of the joust of the of the uh, knight and try and knock the other guy off the horse when you say 3d Lord, do you mean more like uh first person yeah exactly okay. so you're you're actually on the horse and you can see your lance in front of you and you're trying yeah that's to first the other person not 3d 3d is yes yeah. sorry <laughs> apologies for that but yeah it was it's a lot of fun and the thing is what they've done is they've recreated the game exactly as it was on the amiga on the ipad um so you know you so they've not wash in nostalgia when you played it oh absolutely it was yeah. you know I, I literally it literally took me took me back 20 years because it's exactly the same they've not they've not upped the resolution of the graphics or anything and i'll tell you for a game that's so old it still looks pretty good you know um and uh, uh yeah i if, if you certainly if you remember this game or uh, i really hope they do some they did a great um rocket um rocket pack game called um uh, Jetpack? Uh, no, there was something called like it was like uh, the Rocketeer. You oh, remember right. the movie yeah, Rocketeer? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Basically, this was this was kind of like a game version of that where you had to fight Nazis and hmm. fly around this rocket pack and everything. They did they did three or four of these games. They were all the same sort of style. And they were really. I think they did one as well where um, where you uh, you were, it was like a fifties sci fi movie where you were trying to prevent giant ants from taking over your town. You know, it these games were a lot of fun and a hell of a lot of story in and. Um, really exciting and if you remember those then uh, then this is a snap for you uh i'm trying to find out if this is the my next one is uh, a really cool game but i'm trying to figure out if it's what it says on my ipad i don't know if you ever noticed it sometimes i'll shorten it yeah um on the ipad screen and i'm trying to find out if this is the actual name or is this an abbreviation? And I think it's an abbreviation. Yeah, it is. Uh, my next game just came out yesterday, David, and I played it for about 40 minutes last night. Now, we all know who Bungie is. Bungie is the company that made Halo. Yeah. And uh, they originally were an independent company. They made some great Mac games. They really did. Uh, Myth and uh, Marathon. and Did they make Marathon? Yeah, Marathon. Yeah. Uh, and, of course... What they're mostly known for now, 
is Halo. Well, they broke away from Microsoft to become an independent studio again a little over a year ago. And their first game under their uh, DBA, I guess, it's called Bungie Aerospace Corporation, but it's Bungie. Yeah. They made an iOS game called Crimson Steam Pirates. It's simply fantastic. It's a little bit of a turn-based game, but not really. It's more of a draw-where-you-want-to-go type of thing. You're in a yeah. ship. Um, you're a pirate. And you have to battle the British Navy. <laughs> um, uh-huh. <laughs> and so you draw a limited... No, you know how far you can go. It's it's limited for each turn, and if there's enemies nearby, they'll shoot the enemies. You don't have to do that. You can upgrade your ship. You can repair your ship. Um, it's the presentation is just really well done. Uh, the controls are spot on, and it feels. I don't want to say it feels like a bungee game because I don't know what that means anymore, but it feels like a game developed by a company that knows how to make fun games. I, I, I'm just looking at this now. I love these sorts of games where you have kind of have a fleet and you can just sail around and and do stuff. This is this looks brilliant. Now the it's, nice thing is this game is free to download, and you get a, a certain amount of levels that you can play. And if you really like it, there's going to be in-app purchases. One's already available for a dollar ninety-nine, which I can already tell you I'm going to buy. And as time goes on, they'll unlock new missions, new levels, whatever you want to call it. And you could continue to play this game, and it's going to cost you money. But you know what, David? I don't have a problem with in-app purchases for additional content to games that I really, really enjoy. Yeah. And uh, so it's called Crimson Steam Pirates. Highly recommended. I really, really enjoyed it. Cool. Your turn. Okay. Well, I'm going to switch up now by talking about something that's not game. You suck. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but this is this is pretty good. This is um, you know anybody who's got an iPad um, and does any sort of productivity on it will have probably looked at the various different um, cloud type solutions like Dropbox and that sort of thing for moving stuff to and sure. from the iPad. Let's face it, this is until iCloud comes along, um, Apple really hasn't got this right on the iPad. And I'm not even convinced that iCloud is going to be the right way to do it, but that's a a discussion for another day, probably. Yeah, yeah. Dropbox is great because it's a very, very good way of getting stuff on and off your iPad because you can just uh, put things in your Dropbox, it syncs to their cloud service, and then you can use their app um, and plenty of other, um, they have an API as well, so plenty of other iPad apps, pretty much um, most of the productivity apps, except for Apple's own, support Dropbox directly, so you can get stuff on and off. What it, what it can do, Dropbox, is it can... Um, is Dropbox your choice, by the way, here? No, it isn't. Oh, okay. I'm kind of leading up to it. What Dropbox can do is allow you to play videos on your iPad by putting them in your Dropbox, and then you can play them in the application. But the problem is, is it streams them from the cloud service. It doesn't store them. Um, yes, but that being can, said, you, for like a PDF, I, someone sent me a PDF I wanted to read on my iPad. Instead of uh, emailing it to my, I, I just simply put it in my Dropbox, opened my iPad up, opened Dropbox, clicked the PDF, it opened in iBooks, and there it is. Now it's in that's iBooks. Right. Yeah, the, the the downside of Dropbox is you have to remember to put stuff in your Dropbox. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I'm going to talk about is something that kind of really takes that but uh, writes it large, and it's called Pogo Plug. Pogo plug. 
Pogo Plug. P O G O P L U G. Okay, one word. Uh, yeah. Okay. Pogoplug.com. Now, what Pogo Plug does? Um, originally, they started by doing dedicated hardware devices that were like kind of like USB storage drives, but plugged into the network, so you could access anything on the drive from over the network, uh, including the internet. What they've now done is they've written a um, a software version of that, so you can run a piece of software on your Mac and um, or your PC, and then run the Pogo, free Pogo Plug application on your iPad, and then any file that's on your Mac or your PC can be accessed securely via the Pogo Plug application and copied to your iPad, hmm. and or streamed. So that means you're, it presents your entire iTunes library, so you can access your entire iTunes library rather than the stuff that's just synced. Um, any videos you've got on your, um, on your Mac or your PC can be streamed live to the iPad in a viewer application. So effectively, it, it means that you're not tied to whatever you've synced to your iPad. You can get any of your media, any of your content, any of your files, and you can go the other way as well. So now, I'm have- looking at the uh, listing for the iPad one on iTunes. And it says it's free. Is the computer version for the desktop free as well? The desktop version isn't free. It's a pay, it's a paid application. Is it in um, the Mac App Store? Uh, don't think so because I think because they're moving files back and forth. Yeah. Um, they're in they're in breach of the yeah uh, the, the 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 requirements. So they do it. They do do a free version. Uh, that's more limited, but th- that doesn't do the streaming of music and videos. They have a premium version that's only twenty nine dollars, um, and then that gives you um, the full, the full service. So that gives you everything, everything you need. I'm gonna have to uh, check it out, David, because there's times that I wish I did have access to that on my iPad, and I'm not at home, and this would be nice. And and also, what's good for for those of us on the road um, is that, uh, as I say, basically it it mounts your Mac or your PC to another Mac or PC um, because the the license they give you allows you to run it on as many computers as you want. Right. So that means that, you know, if you're at work and somebody gives you a file, you can just save that file directly to your home Mac. That's pretty internet. cool. And it, and that is just, um, that's just, as soon as you, you, you've done that for physics, it's really fast as well. If you're on a decent internet connection, they must have some wicked compression in there because I've put some fairly large audio files and stuff like that from my work work PC to my home Mac, um, and it's just kind of flying, flown up there. So, um, <coughs> excuse me. Pretty pretty cool application. I've got two more, David. I'm going to break them up into this this last little bit here, and then we'll uh, finish up with your last pick. Um, two games that I've been playing quite a bit of. I don't like Angry Birds. I have to admit. I know that's blasphemy to some people. Yeah, uh, but it, it's it's too simplistic. Uh, I don't like how I can't see the whole. I can't zoom up, see my launcher, and I then I can't see the castle. And then I gotta. I don't like it. Yeah. Um, and I always thought that this would be a much better game if I simply launched the birds from my point of view at the pigs. Well, there's a game called Siege Heroes hero sorry that does exactly that it's a first person breaking the castle type of thing down and it's not the best game but i really enjoy it it's one of those that uh if i've got five minutes or so i'll break this game out and play a level or two 
and it, it's kind of cool. Uh, you start out with little rocks, and then it progresses. You have basically like cannonballs. You have explosive things. You have tar. You have fire, so you can it would hit the wood part of the structure, and it would burn it up. Um, and, of course, the object is you have to kill the little guys that are in this castle that you're shooting at. And as time goes on, it gets it ramps up the difficulty, but you also have new weapons to do it. Um, and to decide where you're shooting, you simply tap the castle part that you want to hit, and your thing goes flying at them. It's a pretty simple game, but it's also it's just one of those little quick time wasters, you know? Yeah. And, and I enjoy it. But the other game that I really want to talk about, I just threw Siege Hero out there because I have been playing it, and it, it's fun. The other game that I've been playing a lot of, and because I bought it, I can't tell you how much it is on iTunes right now, so maybe you can look up Siege Hero in this next one, David. Yeah. Um, it's called Getaway. And Getaway is a kind of a top-down driving game. The premise is you're a bank robber. So at the beginning of each level, as it's loading the level, it shows your car outside of a bank, and it says, please wait, robbing bank. And your job, if you will, is to get from point A to point B safely. And the cops, obviously, are chasing you. Um, the the driving mechanics is just... You can use tilt-based, but I don't generally like to do that on any games. It kind of... Eh. I, I, like, I like to feel like I have a little bit more control. So I use basically tape tapping the left or the right hand side of the screen to turn my car in those directions you don't control acceleration it just goes like a bat out of hell um you can get power-ups a la mario kart so if you might have one that makes you go faster you might have one that if you tap it it has this kind of uh, force that blows cars away from you on either side um i like it you know you have to hit other cars to score more points, but you can't hit so many that you damage your car and crash. Uh, right. It, it's just a really fun game. It, it's not usually the kind of game that I would get into very much, but I find myself enjoying it every time I play it, and I think, this is a good game. I need to tell people about this game. This is fun. Is this is this Reckless Getaway? Yes, I think it is Reckless yeah, right, Getaway. Okay. And again, right, I'm so, looking at my iPad. Yeah. So that's been reduced to ninety nine cents, and oh, um, it's way worth it, David. Yeah, it was two ninety nine, so that's a bit of a bit of a deal. Actually, I I'm think gonna... I spent two ninety nine for mine, and and yeah. I, I don't regret it at two ninety nine, but I would have liked it at ninety nine cents much better. Who who wouldn't? I'm yeah. I'm going to pick pick this one up. This looks like a lot of fun, and the other one as well was also ninety nine cents. Yeah, I I tend not to spend too much money on apps uh, unless I know for a fact it's going to be a, a killer app. Because I've been burned just a few times too many. Yeah, uh, that, that's certainly true. Um, <laughs> it, is, it is kind of. I, I was thinking about this the other day. I was thinking, I was looking at something. You think, oh, three ninety nine. Oh, that's a bit expensive. Yeah, I know. Isn't <laughs> that like, funny? <laughs> we'll go out and spend fifty dollars on a on a Xbox. Xbox. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, think about it. But yeah, um, we're just conditioned it, that way. I, I guess so. I, I I think the the reason for that is that you know when you're just clicking the buttons in iTunes, those incremental costs can actually add up to to a fair amount of money before. Really uh, quick, mine's tied to my PayPal yeah. account, so I see exactly how many dollars I'm spending, and I'm averaging probably close to fifty bucks a month now on yeah. apps and and movie rentals and any iTunes related thing. It's getting close and to I, fifty bucks. And I guess that's all right if you're buying stuff that you're actually using, but if you're 
if you're buying a lot of fillerware that actually isn't much good and you're spending that sort of money, then that's when, that's when it's not value. Oh, there's we... one other thing, David. Uh, Bejeweled 2 from PopCap Games, who I yeah. believe EA just bought. That's a free game now. Now, there's not an iPad version that I saw. No, there isn't. But I bought the the iPhone version, and I ran it on my iPad, and it looks fine. I mean, it, yeah. you get 2X uh, thing. But that's a Bejeweled, fun game. Yeah, Bejeweled is one of those games where actually it's better for me. It's better on the iPhone anyway because it, it is one of those five-minute games yeah. that you pop in and out. And if it's on the iPhone, which is always with you, then that means that whenever you get a bit of time, you can do it. But for free, I mean. But for free, absolutely. absolutely. I, 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 when I saw, I saw it had been dropped down to free, I picked it up straight yeah. away. And Bejeweled yeah. is one of those games that I actually had a, a version on my Mac that I paid for that I was still pay- playing occasionally when I'd have you know an extra 10 minutes and I'm sitting in front of my Mac, I would break up with Jeweled and play a couple levels and call it good. And I kept thinking, I would like it on my iPhone or my iPad, but I just didn't... I think it was like 4 or three ninety nine forever. And I thought, yeah. I'm not spending that much money for Bejeweled. I'm just not. <laughs> yeah. And when I saw it was free, I immediately just went and downloaded it. I don't know if this is free forever. They, they didn't make any announcement about it. It's just the price just dropped. So it's fine with me i mean it, it it's a quality game and there's Absolutely. a bazillion you know knockoffs of it and uh, i i don't think any of the knockoffs has got it right as the original yeah yeah i agree um so so my final one is uh, is another productivity app rather than uh, a game just to uh just to make sure our listeners have have various different options because not everyone is a gamer this is something that i've seen here at vmworld this week um and as soon as i saw it i'd heard of it for a while back but as soon as i actually saw it in operation um and saw how good it was i bought it straight away Mm -hmm. this is a wise pocket cloud wise wise w-y-s-e pocket cloud for the ipad and the iphone and what this is is a, a remote access app for a pc or a Mac. Um, effectively, what you do is you run a little help, free helper application on your um, on your computer, uh, and then this is a, effectively a, a remote access client that goes over the internet to your computer. Now, there's a, a an eight ninety nine version and a free version. Which one That's are you right. using? I'm I plump I plump for the eight ninety nine version, but that's because it does stuff like file transfer. And um, you know it has a few, a, a few extra features because I'm an, an wow, and that's that's forty percent off too. So this is a twenty dollar yeah. app usually. That's right. So that's that's why I, that's why I snapped it up. Um, it's really cool in the way it works. I've used I've used a few of these. I've I've used LogMe and Ignition, which is again is twenty dollars, um, which does a similar sort of thing. Basically, what it does is it, it's it's a bit like um, um, what's the what's the Mac sh- uh, sharing technology. Oh, there's a uh, lot of them. I mean, yeah, no, but the one the one built into OS ten, it's oh, a bit yeah, like sure, yeah, it's a bit like it's a bit like screen sharing is what it's called. It's a bit like that, um, and it works on the iPad. What's good about this one um, is it's really easy to set up. It uses Google um, your Google account if you've got a Gmail account or something like that. It uses that as the link between all the all the different computers, rather than having to. Um, set up an account with Wise and then know what that is and log into that and everything. You just put your Google account into your, div- your devices and it uses that to create the links between the applications huh. so that um, it's really easy to set it up quickly. If you're a techie and you want to run VNC or something like that, then you can 
um, click a button and go into advanced settings. But the Google account setting is really easy. You get the free helper app. So you stick that on all your computers, and then you can remotely access them using this application on your iPad uh, and effectively run your computers from your iPad. What's really good about this app is the interface it's got is excellent. It's probably the best of any of them. A lot of them, you know, you kind of if you need the keyboard, you press a keyboard button and the keyboard scrolls up. And if you want to do a right click, they've got a mouse button where you can choose which one you want. The wise one basically has wherever you touch the screen, there's kind of like a, a circle that, that can yeah, come up. Yeah, I'm looking at the screenshot. It's kind of a yeah, it's kind of a circle type of thing where it gives yeah. you different choices. That's right, and there's there's a pointer on there. There's a right click and everything. It makes it really, really quick and intuitive, and not not remotely clunky to actually access the interface. They call it the multifunction pointer. Yeah. Um, if you need to, you know, obviously, when you if you're using Windows on a on a touchscreen device, um, doesn't it's not designed for that. This is a really smooth and well thought out way of actually being able to do all the stuff you need to do on a Windows machine using a touchpad on on the iPad. It's really really good, and at the price they're offering it now, it's a bargain. So if you hmm. if you ever need to remotely access a computer, even if it's your Mac, um, this is this is a really good way of doing it, and and you know. <laughs> Anybody who uses their iPad around the house probably at some point has done that thing where you've gone, I need something to do something on the computer to, yes. to do something on the iPad. And you put the iPad down, you get up, and you go to the computer and do that. This With this, you don't need to do any of that because you just do it all there from the iPad. It looks awesome. Uh, I may actually check that out because I do kind of have a need for that. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look at that myself, David. So with that, we're going to uh, bring Tech Fan number 45 to a close. I do want to remind people, if you like the Tech Fan podcast, make sure you check out all the other shows. And if you don't want to subscribe to all the other shows one by one by one within iTunes, you can can subscribe to all of them all at once with our uh, potpourri, if you will, podcast feed. If you go up to MyMac.com, we have those banners where it says Support MyMac. One of them has MyMac.com podcast. Podcast is actually two words because this, this graphic is very old. And it shows kind of a, a, a radio tower coming out of the atmosphere, if you will. It's the old, old MyMac podcasting um, logo. And if you subscribe to that, you'll get all of the shows, which include Pocket Size Podcast, Tech Fan, Geekiest Show Ever, App Minute, and uh, missing one, the MyMac.com show. So you can get all of them right there. Pretty cool, David. Very good. Mm-hmm. So with that, we're going to wrap up the show. Thanks a lot, guys, for listening. We appreciate it. Uh, please send us some feedback. Feedback at MyMac.com. And, of course, our number, which I'm sure David doesn't remember. Do you? One. Uh, it starts with a one. One, eight, zero, one. Yep. Six eight one no. one one two seven. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yourself all of it. Uh, <laughs> one, some old lady in wherever is going to be answering. Hello, who is this? Stop calling me. One eight zero one nine three eight five 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 nine. Leave a message there. We'll play it right here on the show. And uh, hopefully, David, like I said, we'll get uh, Frank Vega on the show because. A uh, really good guy. I think he would do really well in podcasting, but uh, I'm going to have to convince him of that. Yep. Yep. So we'll see I, you guys I, next week. I like his respect. There you go. <laughs> Bye, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>